um, I'm just gonna introduce you. Okay. Hello, everybody. This is Steph the Educator, and you are tuning into um, the pedagogy podcast. I've lost my train of thought just that quick. <laughs> uh, essential pedagogy podcast. I named it. I should know it, but I just lost my train of thought that quick. Anyhow, this podcast is focusing on building compassion with non-educators and educators alike, giving you a sneak peek at how our everyday lives um, as educators are affected and what we do every day and what we encounter um, educating the public. Um, I'm based out of Texas. And so some of the things and laws and things that we talk about is gonna be specific to Texas in the United States. So just wanted to let you guys know that. Anyhow, without further ado, I have my good friend and colleague in the industry, which is education, Lucretia Thomas. And she is a current counselor in elementary school, but she's also worked in secondary and post-secondary. And she's on her way to getting her doctoral degree and um, furthering her career outside of um outside of education, as well as within the education realm. She's been in education for over 20 years, guys, and she is an expert of what she does. So without further ado, I'd like to talk to, uh, have you listen to Lucretia. Talk to me, Lucretia. <laughs> you Well, I would, I would say thank you. Thank you for having me again. It's been a full week. Um, the one thing about it is it's so important for us to partner together and help people help the children because that's where we're losing a lot. Um, right now, we're ending our year um, Friday for my students. My um, district is actually tomorrow's the last day. We have graduation. Um, a lot to unpack and also to keep your eyes open for that mental health piece because a lot of people are really struggling. And one thing about it is we need to make sure we're listening to our children when they say things that are you know, alarming that a normal kid their age would normally say, um, I hate my life, I want to die, things like that, that is so dear to my heart that we need to take them so seriously and be very open and honest about what we're hearing from our children and also paying attention to what they're watching, the games they're playing. So that mm -hmm. pays a big part of what's going on and is getting younger and younger and like I said, Miss Stephanie, she told me, hey, I want to get on here and talk about some things you're passionate about. Right now, it's mental health. And we're seeing it with all the shootings. We're seeing it with everything. The kids are angry. They don't know how to express themselves. They're going from zero to 100. And mm. sometimes it's not even a, 
you know, so, and they love to say the word bullying and it's not even always a bullying situation. Sometimes their peers, their own friends that they play with every day, then when something doesn't go their way or they don't win in the game, then they say it's bullying. So we have to be careful about that word and how the kids are responding. Yeah. Sometimes the, um, what people think at home and what the legal de definition in schools uh, for certain words and actions are totally different than what people think. So bullying is one of those um, things that people misconstrue um, yeah. the definition of what it really means, right? Like sometimes if they feel like someone um, called their child, um, you know, you know, I don't like to hear the word stupid in class, but if they do this, that is not necessarily a bullying situation, right? With um, with a child or um, I don't want to work with you and they decide they want to work with the per partner up with this person. That's not necessarily a bullying situation. But a lot of times things like that get confused at home. Yeah. And so that builds frustration. I'm going to talk to you, Lucretia. Mm -hmm. I saw something in social media. Okay. And I, I don't get too mixed up in, into social media, but I saw where there were two instances where um, a student pepper sprayed a teacher wow. and, um, over taking her phone. Um, and then there was a... Um, situation and I'm not sure if it was mace or pepper spray mm. but a parent sprayed two administrators um, because wow. she was angry um, and the the administrators wouldn't let her in the building because she was a little hostile mm. um, she was communicating was um, concerning and so we see that, um, you know, why? Now, the parent did have a special needs child that is autistic, and she spoke and had an interview after the whole ordeal, and she's been arrested, um, mm -hmm. that she did not regret it because her child was being bullied. Oh. And so she said that she tried to work with the school over and over again, but the school did not address the bullying. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't know all the situation, right? We don't know all the details. But what we do know is that a parent acted violently mm -hmm. towards uh, administration. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, um, I can definitely tell you, I can speak about the autism. We have a program on our campus. We have um, a ratio is like pretty much one to one almost. Um, we have maybe six kids that their autism is three adults. So one to two ratio. Um, some are able to function a little bit, you know, more than others. At least four of them are nonverbal. So when you have four nonverbal, they're pretty much almost what you would consider one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that people don't understand about autism, it has a big, wide spectrum. And you have those kids that are functioning and can talk and can tell you how they feel and they get fixated 
and they will say, this kid is bullying me, but they don't have the social capacity to say, please stop. Or they look at that person, if they call them a name, it's bullying when it could be the kid said, I don't want to play with you. Like, leave me alone. And then now it's bullying. And mm -hmm. I literally observed another kid that felt that he was being bullied, but his retaliation was aggressive. He literally was punching the other kid that is not autism. He's punching the other kid that he felt he, he touched me. And his touch could have been something, some symbol like this or a bump, something simple. But he literally was pounding down on the other kid. And as an educator, when I see anyone getting harmed, I have to say, please stop. And it, it's like, and it, it just really is sad. And he'll perhaps tell his mom he was being bullied, but he was the aggressor. He mm -hmm. was the one that was punching and he was punching the boy in the neck with his fist. He was mm -hmm. the little boy. And so whenever there's any kind of physical contact, as an educator, we have to contact parents. We have to notify them. And then the parents want to know, well, what was the consequence? By the HERPA laws, we cannot discuss any information with another parent. We can discuss that we have consequences in place, but we cannot discuss that. And parents get upset when they don't know what's happening. Yeah, That's one of the biggest issues we're seeing, too, on that. So very well, this, the parent, and we were talking about this social media situation, um, the parent that I think either maced or pepper sprayed the two administrators, what? like I feel like she wanted to demand to know what happened mm. uh, as far as consequences of other children. And that's something that just can't happen. Can't happen. Yeah. And that's the that's the reality. And that is really protection of the child, because imagine if your child had a consequence and then another parent knew what it was and then they wanted to react if they didn't feel it was, you know, enough punishment, because every reaction or every punishment or any kind of, you know, violation of the code of conduct has mm -hmm. a consequence aligned with it. In case-by-case mm -hmm. case situations, and sometimes the parent wants a really strict consequence for a five-year-old or for a six-year-old. Oh, and yeah. one of the things about that is, even though they're five or six, if they're autism or if they're, you know, um, special they needs. Have special needs, yeah. <laughs> and that's what we say, you know, we this is a kid with autism or special needs or some other kind of disabilities that they're it not going to say their of their disability. And exactly. so sometimes when there is a, a manifestation of their disability, we have to just approach it in a different way, right? not in your standard way. Right. And they may have a behavior plan in place Absolutely. to help them deal with that and have some interventions in place to help deal with that. And what's the sad part about it is another parent may feel that's not good enough. But mm -hmm. by law, we're following everything by law. And under the TEA, we're following the rulings of what TEA will you know, follow and back on. They're going to back you if you follow their, their rulings and their consequence and code of conduct and things like that. So that's the sad reality that People want to see this, you know, major, 
you know, consequence even for a five-year-old. And we have some five-year-olds that they have been very aggressive hitting teachers. A teacher showed me the other day how one of our kids that was on the autism spectrum that wasn't properly placed and it was in a gen ed classroom until we got her in the right placement, she still has marks on her hand from this little five-year-old. And I'm not, and she showed it to me yesterday. And I said, I'm so sorry you experienced that. But it took some time, but based on my expertise as a counselor and also sped background, I was able to help get the social worker involved, help get the, the ball rolling a little bit faster than what it normally would, because it's also, this child was homeless for a good little while. A lot of things happened. So mm -hmm. she didn't mean to hurt, but that's what she's learned in far as where she's been. So, and she's nonverbal. Little girl was nonverbal. She really couldn't communicate. Maybe she needed to, you know, wanted to play a game versus she couldn't. So she lashed out. And whenever it was educational demand put in place, that's when she got violent. And so yeah. that's that part. And then in that case, she has to be removed from the class. And the teacher was always making sure that she protect the other students from that. And that's the one that you have to remember. It's one teacher with 20 little people. Like, and they little people. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yes. Um, talk to me about, Lucretia, about, I guess, misunderstanding of what the boundaries teachers should have and what uh, I guess the general public believe that we should do to intervene with certain situations that you know have to be handled a certain way well to be honest our hands are really tied when it comes to boundaries um it's certain things you cannot do as an educator if a kid is like losing unless you're trained to restrain you cannot touch a child when they're in a you know crisis situation and they prefer you just let the child tear up the room versus you know re restrain the child they figure mm -hmm. that based on what they're doing those items could be replaced or their parents may be liable but at the same time, they will rather you let the child tear the room completely up versus restraining the child. And some some situations are different. Some people say, no, we're not going to let them tear up the computers or whatever. And we have kids that when they lose it, they'll throw the computer, stomp on it, whatever, having a moment. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, oh, yeah. I see it all the time. <laughs> they do it out of frustration. Yeah. Uh, even children without disabilities get mad and just. Literally bang their computer, hit it, throw it. I, there are several kids who, you know, go through several Chromebooks or iPads a year because they get angry that the iPad or the Chromebook is not doing a certain task fast enough or what they want to do or uh, maybe, uh, you know, we have apps now that we can control what <laughs> what websites the students right. go to and they get upset when we kick them off certain game websites and things like that and I see the reactions and yes. a lot of times as a result they're tearing up their their devices yes. and I know that some parents don't know this is happening it's happening every right. day <laughs> yeah. and I think someone has said does that go on their record 
a lot of times it doesn't go on the record if it's not written up as a referral. So you have to remember, if it's not written up as a referral, it doesn't go on the record. If the teacher didn't write it up and depending on how severe or what they damaged, it may not. They may have just had a timeout or had take a break and go see the assistant principal or the principal. But at the same token, they've just tore up thousand dollars worth of, you know, school property and already less computers, less technology is there. So when you tear one, that's one less that's going to be available to the student. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate. We have students that literally have those moments that they lose it and they will destroy a computer, a Chromebook, whatever. An and entire room. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I know that has happened. Oh, yes. It's. Mm -hmm. And the, the sad part that I can tell you, sometimes this is what the parent would say. They don't do it at home. That, that's what they say. That's their proof. So one thing as an educator, the only way we can take pictures of something, if we're showing it in proof to show the behavior, mm -hmm. and then after that you have to delete it. You cannot continue to have that on your yeah. you know, phone or whatever, and you show it just to the parent. As soon as you show it, you're supposed to delete it. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of times that happen when parents don't believe that they don't act this way at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, we I get that. Oh, I get that a lot. But sometimes I get that the parent says, oh, well, she does it at home. And they're just kind of passive about it because that's their norm. Mm. Not a norm for everyone else. And so just because it is your your norm at home to deal with tantrums in that manner. Doesn't doesn't mean that that's like they're just disturbing, and I have to explain that to people. It is against the law for a child to disturb the learning environment of others. That's right. Right. So um, they they don't have the right to do that. You have the right to be upset. You can be upset. You can express yourself. But you do not have the right to interfere with the learning environment of others. And in a lot of these situations, that's exactly what is happening. That is what's happening. More, more than not, that is what's happening. And one thing that upset a kid most, they don't want to lose their audience. So they're even more upset when you have to tell them to leave the room. But it gets a little worse than that. We have to evacuate the whole room. Mm -hmm. So that's usually what we have to do. We have to evacuate the whole room. That kid is having their moment until they calm down then that's when the kids can return. And the one thing about with behavior, if you don't document it, it's almost like it didn't happen. Like when you were saying parents say it didn't happen. So a lot of times parents will move districts just so that behavior isn't following their child to try and give them a fresh start. But what happens is that child is the same person. It's just in a different environment. And I get it all the time where we only gonna display their student records. That kind of information isn't going to be in the record. So that's where the counselors talk to counselors and it's in the best interest to help them so they can start seeing those resources, getting resource out to see some counselors and get some help. And all campuses aren't, aren't the, you know, staff the same. Most elementaries is one elementary counselor. Unless you get into the 900 to the thousand, you may get two counselors and by law, TEA says it should be one to two fifty. That that's what it should be. But and we're sorely understaffed. Like that's, 
That's right. And it's not getting better. Y'all, it's, it's getting worse, right? We we knew of a science teacher that was not coming back. And we have several other openings, too, on my campus. And normally, if you know of someone not coming back by December, you can be on it to, like, recruit and things like that and already have your staff set by now, right? Yeah. Those are the people who quit or let you know they're going to quit way back when, not yeah. the ones that quit in the summertime. So um, the ones that let you know way back when, you could already be staffing, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have our staffing. Wow. Every time, you know, they interview and feel like they got someone, they do not accept the position. And, and it's a lot of factors why they're not accepting the positions because you have other districts that can be more competitive, better, yes, yes. different benefits. So we've lost some good counselors based on the fact that they were not paying our counselors, entry-level counselors, as much as some of the seasoned te teachers. And one of the teachers that became a counselor, I, I mean, she was my, I mentored her and I told her, hey, you you'd be great. For this job when she applied for the job and she laughed at them when she said i make more than that as a, a a reading specialist she was a reading specialist she made more as a reading specialist than what our new counselor rate was and she went to another district a bigger district that could give her what you know her master's level get paid on that level so we mm -hmm. lose a lot of good teachers based on the fact that they can go to a bigger district and get more versus the smaller private charter it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And not to mention the four day week that a lot of schools are going toward. That has been, that's almost like a pay raise in itself. I, and I'm telling Lord you. Lord have mercy. I, people do not understand the, 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 the fatigue that we experience. And you know, I, I, I just can't explain it other than the fact that this, you know, there are some people that um, I talk to and they say, well, you know, I manage a team of 50 or 100 or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought about it and I thought about, you know, OK, what what is making me so tired? What makes me so tired is that I'm physically interacting physically. Mm -hmm responding to other people and all those people yeah. every single day where if you're managing in an office setting a um, certain amount of people you may not address them you may not hear from them you may not email them or get emails from them on a daily basis and even if, even if you do you can do it in a mat in a time where you feel like it's appropriate or when you've cleared your head or whatever, but all of our interactions are real time. Yes. Real time. <laughs> and we always have to be on alert and ready to respond to anything that may come our way. That's and that true. takes a lot of energy within itself. It yes. takes a lot of energy to get your mind right before you even walk in the building and to just listen to little mouths all day with demands and, and, and everything about their needs needing to be met. Um, so tell me how you feel about that. That's just my 
observation, my personal feelings about the whole thing. But I know by Thursday, Friday, I'm exhausted. Sometimes, you know, I I make arrangements with my friends and I want to get with my friends and I'm so tired. I can't do anything but turn it down. You know, they talk about turning it up. I turn it down 730. I'm like, I am so sleepy. Yes, yes. Well, I talk about that because one thing about it is when you're thinking that you're actively engaged and you're engaged in learning and the kids are learning and they're actively taking that, you know, time where they're learning, they have their breaks where lunch break, recess, but those are, you know, after two, three hours that you're going, going and giving all that. And even when they're individually doing the work, you have some that's still at your table that you got to work with, that you got to catch them up. So the teacher doesn't get those little breaks when they're independently working because they're constantly working on other groups, working on different learning strategies. You know, I, I feel like when your body is moving around the room, it cuts down on certain behaviors. Oh, yes. So you got to be constantly moving. And I, I get, you know, sometimes I have friends, um, you know, they, they're like, I, even, I text you. I text you three hours ago. And I was like, I haven't seen that. I, I, have, <laughs> I don't sit around like I don't have my phone readily available all the time. While I'm in the classroom, I'm di- I'm talking to someone. I could even, there's times where I have tried to respond to my child and something happened and I put my phone down and I get two, three, four texts when I come back because yeah. something happened and I had to deal with that. And then something else happened and I had to deal with that. And then, oh, oh my gosh, the class is over. So I got to reset for a different class. It's just on and going on, you know, yeah. <laughs> on and popping, like, like they say. <laughs> On and popping. And imagine when they're in distress and you're trying to calm the storm. So that's kind of what my job is like. I'm usually dealing with problem with the problem. I don't have time to be looking at my phone. And then I get teachers now. They start to text me on my phone. I, that doesn't work. You have to have them check in the front office, see if I'm available because I already have a student. I can't just leave that student and go deal with the next problem. Everything has this you know, system and it needs to be in place. And that's the one part that When we tell the kids, hey, if you have a problem, you need to talk, you know, let your teacher know, then they'll email me or they'll notify me. It's different ways to get on my schedule to help deal with those problems. And sometimes I walk out of my office and the problems are right there in the hallway. Kid is not in class. Okay, why are you not in class? So it's a lot of different things that we're dealing with. And you do not have time to be checking your phone and text message, especially even to a reply, really. It's like, okay, on my way. Usually that's what mine is. On my way. On my way. On my way. I want to talk to you about, because what has really made this year hard is the social skills that the students don't have. Hmm. Um, some of the things that we learned on the playground. Yes. Um, I don't think the kids have learned, have learned at all. They haven't learned to wait your turn. Nope. They haven't learned to, you know, not only wait your turn, but I'm talking to someone else right now, right? Yeah. I, I pitch your right now issue. She, do you see me talking to somebody? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just simple things. Um, 
saying yes instead of I know mm. yeah. uh, or telling me to wait. Right. So the social skill is a deficit. I can tell you that right now. So unless parents are doing their part sociably, because everyone is now starting to assume, oh, that's a fifth grader. Oh, they know how to do this. No, I'm telling you, you will be amazed. Have a conversation with the kid and see if they can even follow multi-step, you know, directions. Yeah. That's where the problem is. You give them too many directions, they fumble the ball. They like, what? Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. that's one thing I, I teach. I say, if I hadn't taught it to you, I don't expect you to know it. So if mm -hmm. I'm teaching you how to be kind and nice, I'm going to model it too. I'm yeah. going to some skills to help you with that. Even if how to deal with being upset. Well, we need to take a deep breath. We need to remove ourselves from the situation. And you'll be amazed when you teach a child that, they'll remember it. But you got to teach it to them. They don't know how to calm down. They've been having tantrums at home. And yeah. nobody's calming them down. Yeah. They go, most people say, go to your room. That, that didn't teach them anything. Sure you got does. Those basic social skills. That's the one thing about it. Another way, because see, they can become rebellious when you try to teach and then do the opposite that you want them to do. So what I have done, instead of saying, push a chair in, I say, stand behind your chair to indicate you're ready to go. Mm, very good. Yeah. yeah. So when they, it makes them push the chair so they can stand behind it. <laughs> but if I was to say push your chair in all, all day long, 300 <laughs> times, they would not push your chair in. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, yeah. show me you're ready to go. And you know, then you also model the positive, like when you see someone doing what they're supposed to do. Oh, I love the way Kenny is put his chair away. He's waiting patiently. And then they look around and they go to doing what, what they just heard you giving praise to. So that positive oh, pressure on one another. But a lot of that is lacking from not, I feel like, play. Tell oh. me, talk to me how about how you feel about the lack of outdoor play and, and just play, period. I think the kids are lacking in that area. And I think we've learned some lessons outside just playing. Yes. Well, one thing about it is most kids that are in, if they're in activity organizations outside of school, you'll see those kids more um, able to play and interact, take turns because they've been in organized, you know, groups like little, little peewee, baseball, like soccer. They have been introduced to it. You have those others that have not been introduced to that. So they don't know how to play. They have to be taught how to play. They have to be taught how to take turns and you have to model it. Again, it's all about modeling that positive behavior and talking to them and helping them understand you got to wait your turn because sometimes they just push the next kid out of the way because they yeah, want to get on it. Line and wait to come into the classroom or out of the classroom. They're pushing and shoving, which I have as a middle school teacher have not Um I've just, I, I haven't had to teach in the past. So I'm finding I'm having to teach a lot of different social skills that I've never had to teach before. And so we just want help parents. We want help because you may not know this because when you interact with your child, you may not see them 
you know, not displaying these social skills because that is not a situation where it's demanded of them. But I, we're letting you know that this is what we're seeing. Um, and, and it's not because you have bad children. It's because yeah. they just haven't had an opportunity to learn. And um, they're just, it's mimicking wildebeest behavior. That's what I call it. Like we've been in the jungle and haven't had <laughs> proper uh, <laughs> social yeah. skills. Like we are not humans. <laughs> um, and I, I say that in jest, but it really is where a lot of our problems with um, violence, yes, like that, come from. So, mm -hmm. um, gosh, we have run out of time again. Yes. <laughs> We've run out of time again. But I just want to let you guys know, guys, let's practice um, when our children have meltdowns. Mm -hmm. Let's practice with them. Hey, how can we calm down? Let's take three deep breaths. Yes. Let's, you know, do X, Y, Z, N, X, Y, Z, L. <laughs> three times and then let's talk. Yes. Yourself then um, yes. and then let's take turns. So let's practice that with our students so that we can just keep down a lot of misunderstandings. Yes. And... Uh, we just continue to lean and I'm a believer. So we just continue to lean on God because That's he right. is our, our, our creator and he's our sustainer. Mm -hmm. And so I just, we just lean on God to just try to help us through and give, give the children what they need. It is taking a lot out of us. And I, I do count down to retirement, but um, I'm trying to fight the good fight. Right. Yes. Just like you, Miss Lucretia. Absolutely. And I don't even think about retirement. I just think I'm going to always work with kids in some aspect because they need us. We have to play catch up. And I, I know that. So I'm willing to, you know, work even sometime for free because that's what it's like. We, it takes a village. And that's mm -hmm. what we've gotten away from that village. So mm -hmm. that's what we need to think about, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is definitely my ministry. Um, to help people. And of course I just spend my time doing it and I don't get paid for it. So, um, I don't intend on being a star, uh, on, <laughs> uh, a star teacher or anything like that on the internet. I just want to help people. So with that being said, thank you guys for watching thank the pedagogy podcast and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, 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 yeah.